Welcome to the Capital City Christian Church Podcast. My name is Chris, and I'm so glad that you're tuning in with us. If this is your first time listening or you'd just like to reach out, feel free to shoot an email to hello at capitalcitychristian.org, and I'd be glad to talk with you. Well, we're in week two of a brand new series where we go through the book of Colossians, which is a letter in the Bible written by a guy named Paul about a big Jesus for life's big problems. And this week, our Connections Minister, Vernie Huber, is going to talk about praying under pressure. Now, do you pray? And if so, why do you pray? And why do you pray about the things that you pray about? We're going to dive into those questions and more right now in this week's message. Good morning. Glad that you're here today. And if you're with us uh, through Facebook Live, I'm glad that you're with us here today as well. Last week, uh, Doc kicked off this series um, out of the book of Colossians. Uh, and what I'd like for us to do today is, is to continue to look into this. Doc made the point that Paul is a credible author and a personal witness to the mighty power of Jesus Christ. Now, so because of this credibility, we should take to heart this letter that Paul has written to the Jesus followers there at Colossae. So I'd like to dive into this letter today, but as we get into this, I want to start off with a question. And this question is, is why do we pray? Now stop and think about that just a minute, please. Why do we pray? Now when we pray, do we expect to hear from God when we pray? Are we excited that we are going to hear from God? Or do we pray to inform an omniscient God of something that he doesn't already know? Things like our financial situations, our marriage problems, our aches and our pains, you know, the troubles that plague our world like what's going on on our East Coast. The Barna Group ran a survey in 2017 and when they ran this survey, they found out that 98% of Americans pray. Now, with this survey, they also discovered that 28% of Americans who claim to have no preference in faith still pray. They also found out, going a little bit deeper, that 25% of claiming to be non-Christian also pray. I don't know about you, but I find that very interesting. For people who say they don't believe, yet they pray. Now, if you happen to fall into one of those two categories of that non-believers, please don't shut me out just yet. I have some good news for you a little bit later on, so just hang on and I'll be right there with that, okay? But I want to return to this question then of why do we pray? Now, if we are brutally honest with ourselves, way too often we pray to get God to do what we want. We want to change God's mind. We pray to God to get him to move in a direction that we want him to go. We tell God, hey, here's what I need. I need you to do this for me, God. Can you take care of this for me? <laughs> when I pray that way, can you imagine how God thinks? Oh, yeah, no sweat, Vern. I'll, I'll go do that for you right now. You know, I, I didn't know you needed that done. I would go, Hello? Folks, I know that it really isn't that way, but 
some of our prayers that we pray sure does feel like that, doesn't it? And let me run down a little rabbit trail here for you just a second. There are Christians who believe that life is preordained, which is better known as predestination, where every bit of life has already been organized and planned out. Now, if you're one of those believers, and I've got a question, why do you even pray? Because the outcome's already been settled. Well, then there are those who believe that prayer changes things. Prayer can affect the outcome. They believe that God can change his mind and be influenced by our intercessory prayer. Now, which one of those best describes you? Again, the question, why do we pray? So while you're pondering on that one, let me introduce something to you to ponder on a little bit more. Prayer is not about changing the mind of God, but about changing our mind. Let me say that again. Prayer is not about changing the mind of God, but about changing our mind. Prayer is not about getting God to do what I want. It is about wanting to know what God wants. The challenge for us this morning is to learn how to pray big prayers, not just small ones. Small prayers are generally self-centered. We ask God to bless our finances. We ask him to bless us with a better job. You know, bless my children. Oh God, please bless my grandchildren. Bless our marriage. Help my husband not be such a dork. Oops, I'm sorry, I thought I left that out of there. But you know, you get the gist. You get to, you know, this type of praying is important to us because it concerns the things that we love and that we cherish. When we only pray these small prayers, then are we praying then just to a small God? But when we pray big prayers, we recognize then that we serve and have a big God. Folks, I want us to understand that praying big prayers is way more important than praying little ones. Praying big prayers means that we move on past just praying for our own little self-centered wants and our own little self-centered situations to asking God to grant us wisdom and the knowledge to know his will in our lives. Now, hearing this kind of statement may make you think, hold on, Vern, <laughs> I'm not comfortable praying a big prayer like that. You know, God may want me to quit my job, dude, you know. He may want me to go off on the mission field in South America. Man, I don't even speak a little bit of South American at all, you know. <laughs> praying to God, praying to know God's will for your life does not mean that he's going to ask you to quit your job and send you off to some mission field. Look with me at what the Apostle Paul writes concerning his prayers for the Jesus followers at Colossae. Let's begin in verse 3, where he says, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Now, you may, don't miss this. Don't miss this. That's awesome. When you stop and think about it, here's Paul 
And he's thanking God for these folks that he's never met. Let me put the situation down a little bit further. Paul is in prison and he chooses to pray for the Jesus followers at Colossae rather than for himself. Folks, Paul is living in some horrible conditions here. He's under house arrest. Now, folks, you know, house arrest, as we look at it in our own mind, you know, I just little some ankle bracelet with a little light on it kind of a thing and tell where I'm at. No, that, that's not what it was like with house arrest. You know, folks, he was not in a one-bedroom flat with a private bath. He was bound in chains, either to another guard or to the wall. Paul sleeps on a straw mat, if he even had that does his private business in a wood bucket or in the corner. He doesn't get three squares a day, but he may not even get any food at all. So how does he get fed? Through his friends. He's allowed people to come in and they bring him food. That is the same avenue that Paul used to get letters out to Jesus followers through his friends. Now, folks, I don't know about you, but if I was in that situation in those kind of conditions, I would be begging you to pray for me to get out of jail. And I think you would probably be doing that too. But not Paul. What is he doing? He's thanking God when he hears the news about these Jesus followers at Colossae and how they're allowing the gospel to make a difference in their lives. And this news is the very reason that he's praying for them. Paul continues to write, Beginning in verse 4, he says, Because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the good of God's people, the faith and love that sprang from the hope stored up in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that comes to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our, dearly fellow, excuse me, our dear fellow servant who was a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. I think when Paul writes, he just kind of rattles on, don't you? But I'll tell you what, he's a great guy. I, I dearly love the prison lit Dearly loved his letters and the thoughts that he put out while he's in prison. Please note here what he is, he's not even started praying yet here. He's telling them, uh, he's explaining to them why he remembers them in their prayers. Paul praises God for what he hears through his buddy Ephesus here uh, that is concerning these Jesus followers. How they place their trust in Jesus Christ to guide their daily lives. That's what Paul is celebrating about. Paul doesn't even know these folks. He's never laid eye on any of them. And yet he's praising God for them. He knows they're Jesus followers by the news that he hears. Which makes me even wonder, what was the last time that we thanked God for Jesus followers we don't even know? Matter of fact, let me take that one step further. When was the last time that you and I thanked God in prayer for Jesus' followers we don't even know? Mm. 
You know, we get all excited when UK breaks their 31 consecutive losing streak against Florida or when Cleveland Browns tie a game or maybe win one. Yes, we get all excited about victories here on earth, but are we equally as enthusiastic about spiritual victories like Paul was? Folks, he was praising God for the faith and the good works of the Colossian Jesus followers. Do we thank God for Jesus followers? I know we, we support missions in Haiti. When was the last time that we thanked God in prayer for Jesus followers in Haiti? When was the last time we said, thank you, God, for the Jesus followers that's in Uganda? When was the last time that we said, thank you, Father, for the Jesus followers on the other side of Frankfurt? Or are we thankful for the gospel spreading out through these regions and seeing lives being changed? Or are we so tied up in our own little self-centered little world that we have forgotten about other Jesus followers other than what I want? Wah, 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 wah. After Paul tells them why he remembers to pray for them, he continues by telling the Jesus followers at Colossae how he's going to pray for them. Look with me at verse 9, if you would, please. This is awesome stuff. For this reason, since I've heard so much about your faith and the hope that you have in Jesus Christ, since I heard this for this very reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that God gives. Wow, what a prayer. Please understand what we are about to unpack is a big prayer. Not some little one. This is a big prayer. Now also remember, big prayers are God-centered. And the request in Paul's prayer is centered on spiritual blessings, not on material or physical matters. Now, of course, it, it's not wrong to pray for physical or uh, material matters. However, spiritual needs are vastly more important. Prayer, again, is ch about changing, not about changing the mind of God, but it's about changing our mind. When we pray these big prayers like this one, you know what happens? Our will begins to come in line and mold and shape into what God's will is. The church at Colossae was dealing with some same issues that folks that we're dealing with in our world today and in our culture. The question often arises or comes about that, you know, what works for me may not work for God. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, let me tell you, if you are building your knowledge of God and the knowledge of God's will, uh, maybe you're doing it like a buffet table. And if you could look at me, you notice I haven't missed too many buffet tables. But you know, it's where you grab a plate, you go down through the line, you just pick and choose what you like to eat. Well, it's the same way. You grab, you grab your plate, you go down, you know what? I think I'll take a little bit of modern culture. I'll take a little bit of pop psychology and just a little dab of religion. I don't want to think I'm really freaky. A little bit of morality. And you know what we've done when we do that? When we do that, we have created our own designer knowledge of God's will. 
Folks, when we do this, we genuinely do not understand or have the full knowledge of what God's will is. Because we have chosen what we want, not what God wants. Okay, you may be thinking, okay, Vern, so then tell me then how do I gain this knowledge of God's will? Where do I start? How do I begin? You begin by praying big prayers and asking God to reveal his will to your heart and to your mind. Now, please take note, folks. This is not a one and done prayer. Big prayers are not a one and done situation. Just like Paul told the the Jesus followers at Colossae, he did what? He continually prayed for them to be filled with the knowledge of God. And that's what the challenge is for us. When we pray these big prayers, we need to continually seek the knowledge of God's will for our life. Folks, but the great thing about that, we are not on this journey alone. God has given us the Holy Spirit to assist us in understanding his will. Listen to what the words of Jesus says in John chapter 16, the very first part of verse 13. He's talking about the Holy Spirit coming and he says, but when he, talking about the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. God promises he's going to guide us to the truth of his will and grants us the wisdom to understand that. How do I know? One of my most favorite passages in the scripture, James chapter one and verse five. It's an awesome thing, man, for my little pea brain and my simple mind. If any of you lacks wisdom, go talk to Oprah. Oh, that's not what that says, hallelujah. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. Did you catch that? You and I can go to God and ask for wisdom and he will give it. That's awesome. God has provided everything we need to gain the knowledge of his will. He provides us with the wisdom and the understanding of his will and the strength to even live it out. Man, we serve an awesome God. However, folks, the key to all of this is to humbly pray these big prayers, praying and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to pray these big prayers because when we pray these type of big prayers, it will help our spirituality to grow. Remember, Paul was praising God when he heard of the Colossians' spiritual growth. Last week, Doc also mentioned that we hear a lot of differing opinions on spiritual issues. We hear opinions from our neighbors as we talk across the fence or from our friends as we sit across the table from them. We hear opinions from college professors, high school teachers, and yes, we even hear that from preachers. So who are we to believe then when it comes to spiritual things? Listen, I got the answer. You ready? Got them hearing aids turned up? Here we go. Why not turn to the source? Why not turn to God and his word? 
Why not go to the source rather than to some intellectual human opinion to develop your spirituality? Paul's big prayer doesn't stop at the knowledge of God's will. He continues with the reason to be continually filled with him. Why? Look on with me at verses 10 down through 12. And we pray this. We pray what? For your, you may have that strength. You may have that knowledge. We pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. Bearing fruit in every good work. Growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to, to God the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. Wow. Here we find the reason for the Colossae Jesus followers to be filled with the knowledge of God. So they will live a life pleasing to the Lord. Folks, when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we're baptized into him. The journey doesn't stop there. The journey only begins. We are to grow in the knowledge of God's will. To allow that knowledge to direct our thoughts, to direct my path, to direct my actions. How many of us have taken an inventory at the end of the day to see how our thoughts and our actions were pleasing to God? Oh, wait a minute. I, I'm sorry. I, I do have that backwards. We should start our day with a big prayer and ask God to mold our will into his will. Ask God for the wisdom to recognize temptation and for the strength to say no to that temptation. Ask God to grant you endurance and patience that we need to deal with difficult people and agitating situations. Folks, I'm not blowing smoke at you. I'm not. When I tell you I start my day by asking God to grant me wisdom and strength to be about his business... So when I forget to do that, you know what? I find my day goes a lot rougher than it did when I asked him to take control because you know what? If it's left up to me, I'm going to mess it up. A big prayer, folks, a big prayer is not some statement that you just memorize and recite. Big prayers focus more on others rather than on yourself. Big prayers will strengthen your faith as you see God move in your life and in the lives of those who are included in your big prayer. Big prayers will help you to experience God's love. That's something I think I need to do here for all of us to hear. I need to define the word love because our society has butchered that so bad. Love is not a feeling. I know I just crushed a lot of you, I'm sorry. Love is not a feeling. Feelings is a byproduct of love. Love is a decision. It is my decision whether I love you or not. That's left up to me. Our Lord told us to pray for those who persecute you, to do good to those who abuse you. As we pray big prayers for those who persecute us, 
We are allowing God to change our heart toward them and to come into a deeper understanding of his love. That's what happens when you pray big prayers. Not only will it build your faith, not only will it strengthen your love for him, big prayers will also strengthen your hope. The hope of a better life in heaven compels me to pray big prayers. Big prayers of hope for people that are suffering with physical issues. Big prayers of hope for people who are struggling with just life issues. Big prayers of hope for people that's dealing with death of a loved one. I pray they find hope in Jesus and not be overwhelmed with their situation. But in turn, when I see their hope strengthening, my hope in me is also strengthened. Now, earlier on, I asked for these non-believers not to shut me out because I had some news for you, and now it's your turn. Hang on just a second, because here it comes. Look with me at Colossians 1, verse 13. For he, God, has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Now, folks, if you're one of those people who are used the buffet method to understand what God's will is all about, I want to pose this question to you. If what you believe about God and his will is not true, would you want to know? Let me say it again. If what you believe about God and his will is not true, would you want to know? Because you see, if you use that buffet style and you come up with your own designer of what God's will is, how do you measure your belief? Are you measuring by some human standard or some human philosophy? Why would you want to construct your spiritual beliefs on mere human intellect? God wants you and me to know the truth of who he is. He knows, he wants us to know the truth. And the reason why he wants us to know the truth, because he knows the truth will set us free from the depending on human intelligence and create in us a sense of being, a sense of belonging, and a sense of purpose. God desires to bring you out of the darkness of human intellect into the glorious light of the knowledge of who God really is. Tony Campalo was seated at a state prayer breakfast and by chance he just happened to be sitting next to the governor and in their conversation he found out that the governor uh, was sympathetic but had never committed himself to being a Christian. So Tony Campalo asked him, he says, why not? Why haven't you committed your life to Christ? The governor said, honestly, no one's ever asked me. He looked over at the governor, he said, well, I'm asking you. And to much to Tony's surprise, the governor says, okay, I will follow Christ. As I look at you this morning, maybe no one has ever asked you to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I am. I'm asking you to evaluate where you, great, you, you 
grade your knowledge of who God really is. And if it isn't based on the Bible and God's word, if it's based on human intellect, then I want to ask you to re-examine your beliefs. Because you see that decision to be the greatest decision that you would ever make. If you're ready to make that kind of decision or have questions about that, have questions about your faith, have questions about growing in your faith, during this next song, I, I, I want you to come down here in the front or later on, I'll be out in the connections room. You can hook up with me out there. Our staff, other members are here. The elders will be down front as well. They want to talk to you. But before we sing a song, I want us to pray together. I want us to pray a big prayer to God this morning. And I want to help all of us to do that. What I want you to do is pray for a family member. I want you to pray for a friend, maybe someone sitting close to you. And before you do that, though, one thing I want to say, remember I said these prayers, these big prayers is not a one and done thing. What I want to challenge each and every one of us to do is this. Tomorrow, I want you to pray a big prayer for somebody. Tuesday, I want you to pray a big prayer for somebody. Wednesday, I want you to pray a big prayer for somebody. I want you to continually, daily in your life, grow in praying big prayers. I want you to ask God to fill the people with the knowledge of his will. I want you to ask God to fill them with the spiritual wisdom that they need to live a daily life. That they may understand how important it is to live life according to his will and not our own. I want you to take this time, just a moment, and pray that over someone. I want you to take just a moment in your time and I want you to pray that on yourself as well. And after a moment of silence, I'll give you time to pray and then I'll close. Let's pray together. Almighty God, I come to you on behalf of all the folks that's in this room. My God, I lift them up to you. I pray, Father, that you fill them with the knowledge of your will. Father, I pray for these folks that, Lord, that they'll come into a deeper spiritual understanding of who you are. That, Lord, we all will become more in tune with your will as we put our will on the back burner and Father, put yours out in front of us. Almighty God, grant us with the wisdom that we need to live a daily life pleasing to you. Because Father, that's the greatest thing we could ever do. Because I know one day, Father, when we draw our last breath that it doesn't matter, Father, whether I believe what C.S. Lewis says or whether I believe what some professor says. And Father, it matters on what I believe about you. Help us to make good decisions for you, Father. I pray all this in Jesus' name.
Amen.